In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. He wants to release it rest to us this morning. Let's receive it. This is the day you made, so I'll rejoice and be glad, rejoice and be glad in it. And this is where I believe that you are more than enough, more than enough for me. You are faithful to your promise, you are strong when I am weak. When I'm standing in your presence, I have everything I need. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, my soul, bless his name, all that is within me, say, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Jesus, come one day, you are worthy of all, worthy of all my
Yes, Jesus, we thank you that you are our living hope. God, we thank you for the grace and the mercy, God. We thank you for everything that you gave us to sustain us coming out of whatever year that we had. God, and we look expectantly into this new year thanking you, God, for that hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Be with us now. Holy Spirit, continue to move and flow in our service. In Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. You guys can have a seat. Hey, guys, I am Kurt. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you for joining us, no matter where you're joining us from. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, we want to say welcome. And we'd love to know that you're here. So do me a favor, take out your cell phone and text the word NEW to the number on your screen or stop by our New Here kiosk out in the lobby. One of our pastors would love to connect with you. Now, if you're not visiting for the first time, you've been here before, take out your cell phone, open up the Northwoods mobile app and fill out the connection card. It is the best place for you to get all of the information about everything that we offer here at Northwoods, including incredible opportunities to serve. Now, baptism is coming up really soon, so mark your calendars for February 4th. If you're ready to take that next step of faith or you know someone that is, this is the time to do that. So get signed up, go online to get more information. If you have a child who is interested in being baptized, we encourage you to get more information and sign up for the Discovery Land Baptism class. That's going to be happening on January 28th, and we're going to offer that class two times, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. We love to pray for people around here, and we have a dedicated prayer team that would love to come alongside you and pray for anything you need. And now you can do that by coming forward you can come up front here at the end of a service. You could go online and schedule a prayer appointment. You can even join us on Tuesday evenings from 6 to 8 or Fridays from noon to 1 for prayer and worship on the fourth floor of our prayer tower. But I want all of you to make plans to join us live on campus January 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. for our annual night of prayer being held in the Student Center. So you can get more information about that online as well. Now, just as Webster's Dictionary releases its most searched word of the year, today Pastor John is going to come and he is going to share with you a single word that God has convicted him to dive into for 2024. Now, speaking of diving into 2024, we are kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and tomorrow is day one of the fast. Now, you're going to be able to get all kinds of resources from devotional videos to worship videos and a whole lot more on our website. But I'm excited that later on in the service, Pastor John is going to share with you how you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. It is going to be fantastic. Guys, as always, thank you so much for your faithful, generous giving. We could not do the ministry and present the gospel around our 
community and around the world without your faithful giving. So thank you so much. As God directs you to give today, you can do so a number of ways. You can text to give. You can give on the mobile app. You can give online or you can leave your gift in any one of the secure boxes throughout our campus. So thank you again for your generous giving. All right. How many people went to the Christmas production? Yeah. Wasn't it fantastic? I'll tell you. I have so many highlights, I'm not even sure I could pick just one. So as we prepare to hear Pastor John bring God's word today, why don't you check out the screens and let's just get a little taste and a recap of how much fun we had during the Christmas production. Some of you came because this is what you do around Christmas, you go to church. Some of you came because this is a tradition, habit, you come to the production every year. Maybe you came because of the music, the dancing, and all the creative pieces that go along with it. Maybe you're here because someone invited you. But I wanna say this to you, regardless of why you think you're here, it's not by accident. God knew you would be here on this day, and I believe he brought you here for a reason, so that as the scripture says, he could bestow on you beauty, instead of brokenness, gladness instead of grief, and a song instead of a sigh. Amazing things that happened at the Christmas production, as you saw, I announced this on uh, Christmas Eve morning, but 1,314 yes packets were taken, indicating people said yes to Jesus. So incredible, so incredible. And church, happy new year. I'm ho I hope you all had an, a fantastic Christmas and are ready to take on the new year. You know, after spending some time with my family here uh, around Christmas in Peoria, my family and I traveled down to Chattanooga, Tennessee to spend some time with Michaela's side of the family. And then on Friday, I turned 36, and so I'm now closer to 40 than I am 30. But I'm feeling good and I'm exciting about, excited about this coming year and what lies ahead. And as you heard, tomorrow kicks off our 21, day, uh, 21 days of fasting and prayer, and I'll talk more about that at the end of our time today. You know, I had planned to take this Sunday originally and, and really kind of jump right into the series or kind of theme that we'll be in for the fast, which is gonna be on Psalm 23. But I'm gonna let that start tomorrow and as you heard, I'm gonna preach a standalone message today. This isn't a part of a series, it's kind of what I call a one-hit wonder, and uh, I'm calling it the word of the year. As you heard Kurt mention, every year, Webster's Dictionary releases what they call their word of the year, and it's usually the word that has the highest search volume online. These are the words, that usually it's the word they say that, that has kind of defined the past year. And so I don't know if you saw this, but the word that they announced for this year, the word was authentic, which I thought was a good word, especially, you know, in the age of artificial intelligence and deep fakes and all that stuff. Authentic, it's a good word. They also listed a few runner-ups, the second one being the word riz. I had no idea that was a word. Um, didn't know what it meant. Do you know, anybody know what riz means? Some of you, okay, it's a, it's a slang term when I say Riz, it's R-I-Z-Z. It's a slang term that was added to the dictionary this year, and it's a shortened way of saying charisma. So chariz, 
Riz Charisma. So they take out the Riz. An example usage, I kid you not, was a bro who has Riz. <laughs> All right. Got charm and charisma. So if just just kind of if you you know if you're teenager, your child comes home saying they got Riz, you know what they're saying. I'm just trying to help you keep kind of stay in the know, okay? But just like Webster's has a, a word that they claim defined the past year, in the same vein, this morning I wanna talk about a word that the Lord has laid on my heart for us that I believe should ultimately define every year of our life. But I'm gonna say this, we're gonna place an emphasis on this word for 2024. And it's the word faithful, faithful. You know, in many places in scripture, it talks about how God is faithful. We know this about him. But in many places, it also uses the word faithful to describe the people of God. Let me give you a couple of examples. In the book of Ephesians, it says, Paul, as is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. This is the church. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus. How does he describe them? The faithful in Christ Jesus. If you move on to Colossians, so Paul right into the church in Colossae, he says to God's holy people, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So faithful, this is who we are, but this is also what we are called to. Maybe you remember this one, this, we talked about this verse a couple of, uh, a couple of months back when we were in our uh, series in the seven churches in Revelation. Love this scripture. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So there's all kinds of places we can go in the Bible to talk about faithful, faithfulness. And while the word faithful is used many times in the Bible, the passage that has been on my heart for some time now comes out of Matthew chapter 25, where it says, and you've probably heard the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Pretty famous phrase from the Bible, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, this summer I was reading a book and in it the author said something that just so resonated with my heart. He said, I wanna become someone who is faithful, but, I'm always tempted to want to become someone other people think is important. I struggle with wanting others to view me as important or successful, but God did not call me to be important. When I get to heaven, God will not say, well done, my good and important servant. No, he didn't call me to be important. He called me to be faithful. That's good. And as followers of Christ, our aim is to not, you know, is not to be TikTok famous, rich, important, popular. Our ultimate aim is to be faithful. Now hear me, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong to have influence on social media or to be known or to have, have money. All those things can be harnessed for good. But what I am saying is that those things shouldn't be our ultimate, uh, our ultimate, our ultimate goal. They shouldn't be the target we're focused on. The goal should be faithfulness. And I believe when you aim there, you will accomplish what's most important in this life. Our goal is to be faithful. 
faithful in our walk with the Lord, faithful in our jobs and our relationships, faithful in growing our gifts and abilities, faithful in taking care of our bodies, faithful with our finances. The list could go on and on and on. This is what God calls us to, faithfulness. So this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna wanna start by helping each of us kind of assess our current level of faithfulness and then let God's word challenge us to take it to a new level in 2024. So to help us assess it, we're gonna look at the story that the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, comes out of. It's a story that Jesus told his disciples. And the story will help us not only know what faithfulness, uh, what it means to be faithful, but it will ask us, we'll find it kind of asks of us a couple of questions that will aid us in assessing our level of faithfulness. So if you wanna follow along in your own Bible today or on your phone, we'll be in Matthew chapter 25. The verses will be on the screen as, screen as well. But let me start by setting it up for you, okay? In Matthew 25, we have entered the final week before Jesus is about to be crucified. And so Jesus begins to prepare his followers for not only his departure, but also the fact that he will return again someday. And so in this section of scripture, he tells several parables. And a parable is really just a a, a biblical word that means a story that kind of illustrates a spiritual truth. So he uses these stories in this section to describe how his followers are to live in the time between his departure and his return. And this is the time that we are living in. We are living in the time between when Jesus departed to be back, to go back to heaven and the time when he will return again. We're living in here. So we'll pick it up in Matthew 25, 14. This is where this story starts. And just a heads up, we're gonna cover a lot of scripture today, okay? So you're gonna get your, I don't know if you get your Bible reading in for the entire week today, but I'll tell you by the end of this morning, you'll have your Bible reading in for today, all right? I promise I'll keep it interesting. So here's the first question I want you to keep in mind as we jump into this story. This is really how we start to assess our level of faithfulness. This is question number one. What has God entrusted to me? What has God entrusted to me? To me, again, we're talking about faithfulness. So how do I begin to assess my current level of faithfulness? Well, it starts by asking the question, what has God entrusted to me? Now, with that in mind, let's start Matthew 25, 14. Look at what Jesus says. He says again, so he's telling another story here. It will be like a man going on a journey. So when I leave, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his, importance there, everything we have is the Lord's, his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now let's stop right there. In this story, Jesus likens himself to a man going on a journey And he speaks of three servants who he entrusts with his wealth. Now, the translation I'm using says he bags of gold. You've probably heard this this parable known as the parable of the talents. And in many translations, maybe in your Bible translation, it says to one he gave five talents, to one he gave two talents, to one he gave one talent. I want you to think of talent in terms of how we think it, like I got talent at something. Really, talent here is talking about money, 
And uh, many scholars believe that in that time, one talent would have been equal to 20 years worth of wages. So if this is the case, the man who got five bags of gold, five times 20, was basically given 100 years worth of wages. That's, that's, a, lot of, that's, a, that's a lot of money. The next man was given, who got two bags, was given 40 years worth of wages. Still a lot. And the man who got one was given 20 years worth of wages. So God entrusts each of them with something. Now, the question I want us to consider, what has God entrusted to me? As you think about that question, my guess is most likely that's not the question in your head right now. Because when I read this, the first question that comes to my mind is why didn't the master give everyone the same? One guy got five times more than the other. I mean, I know it says he gave them each according to their ability, but really, one guy got five times more than the other? I mean, come on. Seems a little bit unfair. Like, why can't we just level it out and give them all the same? Why? does one have more than the others? That's, that's where my focus goes. I don't know about you. But this was an insight for me this week as I was studying. Because often the question I ask when I read this text about why does one have more than the other is the same question I'm tempted to ask in my own life. Why does so-and-so have more than me? I can look at other pastors and say, man, that, that pastor, man, he's got a lot of riz. Why didn't I get a little bit more of that? He's got more than me. Ever found yourself kind of just looking over the fence at what other people have? Going, why do they got more than me? Hop on social media and just look at everyone else's life saying, man, they got so much more than me. Look at that shiny new car, that second vacation home, that job they have. Look at the places they go, the vacations they take. But see, here's the problem. As long as we focus on what God has given to everyone else, we will never be faithful with what he has given to us. This is why I say we must start by asking the question, what has God entrusted to me? Doesn't matter what he's given to someone else. Faithfulness is about what has God given to me? What has he entrusted to me? And just like in the story, he has entrusted each of us with many things. The story's about money, but we can expand it to say we should be faithful with anything and everything that he entrusts or gives to us. What has he given to us? Well, for starters, we can say he's given each of us time. We all get the same amount of that. What do we do with our time? He's given each of us a body. Last I checked, we only get one of those. He's given each of us money. We all have differing, we might have differing levels of money, but my guess is we all have something. He's entrusted us with relationships. We have relationship with the Lord. If you're married, you have a relationship with your spouse. If you have children, you have a relationship with your children, family, friends, employees. We, could go down, we go down the list. Spiritual gifts. God has given each of us gifts to help build up the church and to use for his glory. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's also, we could say, he's given us his word. Are we being faithful to his word? I mean, the list could go on and on. But if we're gonna be found faithful, we have to start by asking the question, 
What has God entrusted to me? Faithfulness is all about stewarding and caring well for the things that God has entrusted to you. So being faithful, I think we could say, starts with getting our eyes off of what everyone else has and taking inventory of all that he's given us. So the first question, if I'm going to be someone who's faithful, is what has God entrusted to me? I got to start there and just take inventory. What has God entrusted to me? Here's the second question. What am I doing with what God has given me? What am I doing with what God has given me? So let's look back at the story. The master entrusts some of his wealth to his servants, then he leaves. Each of them go and do something with what the master gave them. So let's read on. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So two of them go and put the money to work. They invested it and multiplied what they were given. The third, if he's living in our day and age, he basically went and stuck it under his mattress, under the mattress for safekeeping. Didn't lose it, didn't blow it, but he didn't do anything to multiply it. Okay, so now we know kind of what, here's what they've done. Now, let's continue reading. Next verse, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. AKA, he came back and said, what have you done with what I've given you? And it's just a reminder to us, Jesus is going to return one day. He is coming again. And when he comes, I believe he is going to ask, what did you do with all that I entrusted to you? What did you do with what I gave you? Well, let's continue reading and see how the master viewed each of them and how they handled what they were given. Let's start with the first man. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, and here's that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in, I thought this was interesting, a, with a few things. Mind you, this is the guy who just received 100 years worth of wages. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So he commends the first man. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, again, let's just pause here and think about what the master said. He said, you've been faithful with a few things. I don't know about you, but when I think of 100 years worth of wages being given to someone at one time, that's not just a, a, a few things. That's a lot. That's many things. That's a lot of money. And I think it's a reminder to us that earthly riches are nothing compared to heavenly riches. Nothing compared to heavenly riches. And it's a reminder that we will be rewarded in heaven based upon how we lived on earth. 
The Bible is clear. There will be differing levels of reward. Now, let me just stop here for a moment because sometimes people can get tripped up here. When we talk about varying degrees of reward given to believers, it, we should, when we talk about it, it should not only create in us a desire to live for eternity's rewards instead of earthly ones, but also we should remember that whatever rewards we receive will lead to full and complete joy in each person. Because sometimes we think, well, how can, how can everyone be happy in heaven if there's varying levels and differing degrees of reward? Then I, no one will be happy. I appreciate what one theologian said. He said, if we ask how believers will be full of joy when there are different degrees of reward, it simply shows that our perception of happiness is based on the assumption that happiness depends on what we possess or the status or power that we have. When in actuality, true happiness consists in delighting in God and rejoicing in the status and recognition that he has given us. So I think we can talk about, the Bible talks about rewards. I think we can talk about rewards without saying, oh, no one will be, you, whatever rewards you get in heaven will be, lead to full and complete joy in you. Now, that's the first man. Let's talk about the second man. Second man comes. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, there it is again, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now let's slow down here for a minute because I think this is really important. I want you to notice something here. The first guy ended up with 10 bags of gold. Given five, turned it into 10. Second guy ended up with four bags of gold. Given two, turned it into four. But they both got the same encouragement from the master. He said the exact same thing to both of them. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want you to notice something very important here. The master doesn't measure one against the other. He doesn't say, well, first guy got 10, you only got four, so you just don't measure up. You, don't, you, you, know, you can't hack it. He doesn't assess his, he doesn't base his assessment of faithfulness on whether one measures up to the other. He bases it on what they each did with what they were given. You all know that I'm a, a huge Packer fan. Packers have a big game today. Packers and Bears play. If the Packers win, the Packers get into the playoffs, which I'm excited about. Now, if the Bears win, the Packers season is over. And if the Bears win, you might need to call in on, just call me this afternoon and check in on me because I might be having some issues. Um, but for the Packers, this year was a year of transition. Okay, they, this year the Packers moved on from one of the best quarterbacks in the game, Aaron Rodgers, who will be considered one of the greatest quarterbacks to have ever played. It's a legend in his own right, will be a Hall of Famer someday. They moved on from Aaron Rodgers to a first-year starter in Jordan Love. And almost every game I watch, the announcers will play the comparison game. How well 
does Jordan Love stack up to Aaron Rodgers? Every game, they're comparing. So second game of the season, here were Aaron Rodgers' stats through his first two games. Let's see what Jordan Love's stats were through his first two games. And they do it every game through 10 games. Here were Aaron Rodgers' stats through the first 10 games. Here's Jordan Love's stats for the first 10 games. Constantly comparing. How does Jordan Love compare to Aaron Rodgers? He's constantly being measured against Aaron. And I get it. That happens a lot in sports. This is, this is you know, football. It happens in every, in every sport. We're comparing people to one another. But you know what? This, if we put sports aside, this happens in every area of life. No matter what the arena, people often get measured against others. How do they stack up? And if we're honest, I'm willing to bet this is something each of us do from time to time. We measure ourselves against other people. We look at them and say, how do I measure up? Am I, you know, am I as good as them? Do I compare? You know, in all transparency, this is something that I've had to work through and be on guard against. You know, stepping into the role of senior pastor and following my dad, who is, I, I view, he, he's, he's a legend in his own right, spiritual giant, our founding pastor. Following after him has been an incredible blessing. But you know what? It also has brought some challenges. I would say challenges for both of us. They're just different challenges. But I remember when it was first announced that I had been chosen to kind of take the reins after my dad, the voice in my head started saying, I wonder if I'll be able to measure up. How will I compare to my dad? Wonder if I'll be able to fill those shoes. And as I was hearing that voice, I remember one day it was as if the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, John, first of all, you got your own shoes. Second off, you might measure yourself against your dad. Others might measure you against your dad, but I want you to know something, I don't. At the end of your life, I'm not gonna stand you and your dad next to each other and say, okay, how does one measure up to the other? What matters to me, the only thing that matters to me, John, is what are you doing with what I have given you? That's all that matters to me. What are you doing with the gifts and talents and everything that I've entrusted to you? Doesn't matter what your dad did. That's great. But I'm asking you right now, what are you gonna do with what I've given to you? It's not about measuring up. And can I just tell you, I, that was so freeing for my heart. It's not about how do I compare to others. It's, it's not about do I measure up. It's about what am I doing with what God has given me. And I wanna say the same thing to you. I feel like someone needs to hear this today. Quit measuring yourself against everybody else. That is a game that you will never win because you know what? There's always someone who is better and has more. There's always someone who has more money. There's always someone who has more skill. There's always someone who's smarter. There's always someone who's better looking. Just across the board, that's a game. If you play that game, you will lose every time because there's always someone out in front of you. At the end of your life, God isn't gonna say, let's see how you stack up against all the other spiritual giants. Nope. He's gonna ask you, what did you do 
with what I gave you. That's what matters. So the first and second man come to the master and say, here's what you gave me, here's what I did. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, let's talk about the third man. It'd be great to just end the message here, but it gets a little messy here with the third man. So let's talk about it. Third man comes. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I think this is important. Let's stop there. I was afraid. I think faithfulness comes out of, not out of fear, it comes out of loving the Lord. This man was fearful. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So he didn't lose what the master gave him, didn't blow it, but he didn't do anything with it. He gives it back to the master. Now, here's the question. How is the master going to look on this? This is the part that I would have liked to have just kind of left out. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. I'm saying there in the room, I'm like, maybe I'll go to the other room for a minute here. You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money in deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Sheesh. But he's not done. He goes on. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, again, I'll just tell you right now, honestly, I felt like just stopping at about verse 26 and just kind of let you figure that out on your own. Now, let me just ask you, is that what you expected? Now, maybe you've, you've heard the story before, but when you hear the guy come back and say, here's what you gave me, I'm giving it back. Is that what you expected? I mean, he gave back what he had, but the master wasn't thrilled. Now, to be clear, this is not saying that you can somehow lose your salvation. I believe it's saying that if you are saved, you will be faithful. You don't try to be faithful to earn salvation. Salvation is a gift. But if you are saved, you will be faithful. Because you know, the Bible says if you're, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness lives in you if you're saved. But the bottom line here is that being faithful, it matters. It matters a whole lot. The master called him wicked and lazy. Now, I want you to just think about that. He said to the first two guys, well done, my good and faithful servant. The last guy, he says, wicked and lazy servant. So if you just kind of put those two together, does that mean that lazy is the opposite of faithfulness? Maybe. Does that mean someone can be gifted but lazy? Yep. But here's what I think is crystal clear in this passage. Faithfulness is connected to fruitfulness. 
Faithfulness is connected to fruitfulness. Faithfulness isn't just about holding the fort and playing it safe. Faithfulness is about maximizing, multiplying, and developing what God has given you. That's pretty clear. So I think each of us need to ask again, what am I doing with what God has given me? Being faithful means I'm caring for, I'm developing, I'm maximizing all that God has entrusted to me. What am I doing with what God has given me? Am I being lazy or am I being faithful with all that he's placed in my care? You know, some say, well, uh, I don't really have a lot and if God would just give me more, then I would really care for it well. You know, I don't really have a great job, but God, if you just give me a better job, well, then I'd really work at it with all my heart. If I had more money, well, then I'd really care for it well and then I'd start tithing. God, just give me more and then I'll really start caring for it well. I was thinking about this, you know, at my round dinner table at my house, sometimes we'll be eating dinner and one of my four kids will say, hey, can I have more? And so I'll look at their plate and there's still food on their plate. So for example, let's say we're having mac and cheese and broccoli. Look over their plate, all the mac and cheese is gone, broccoli hasn't been touched. Don't know if you ever have a problem about like this in your house. So one of the kids, hey, can I have more mac and cheese? And what do we as parents say? Well, First, finish what's on your plate, and then I'll give you more. And you know what? I think it's the same way with God. Some of us sometimes are saying, God, would you just just give me more, and then I'll start caring for it. And I think God's saying, you know what? First, do something with what I already gave you, and then we can talk about more. Do something with what's already been placed on your plate, and then we'll talk about more. See, we always need to ask the question. Before we start talking about more, more money, more influence, more relationships, whatever, you need to ask the question, what am I doing with what God has given to me? What am I doing with what God has placed on my plate? How am I using my time? Am I caring well for my body and my health? Am I managing the money that I do have well? Am I investing in and developing the relationships that matter most? My relationship with the Lord my spouse, my children, my family, friends, employees? Am I maximizing and utilizing the gifts that God has placed in me? And if you're here and you say, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, that's why we offer our four steps class. You can do it online. And there you will, you will take an assessment and you will learn what are, what are the ways in which God has gifted me and how can I put those to use? Am I maximizing and utilizing the gifts God's given me? Am I being faithful to his word? God calls us to faithfulness. You know, for the last 35 years, there's a famous sign that is hung at the bottom of a very narrow stairwell that the Notre Dame football team walks by as they make their way to the field. Now, I'm not, I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but I love the sign. Here's a picture of it. Maybe you've seen it. It says, play like a champion today. And on the way out, every player slaps that sign. And it's not only a reminder of all the players who have come before them and touched that sign, it's a reminder that when I go out there, I'm gonna give my everything. I'm gonna play like a champion. And kind of like that sign has been for Notre Dame, 
This verse, well done, good and faithful servant, has been like that for me. And I think it should be like that for us. Whenever we see it, it should be a reminder that there's nothing more important to us than hearing those words someday when we meet our Savior. I don't know about you, but I live to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so for this entire year, those words are gonna be hung above the doorways as you leave this place. Right now we have a couple temporary signs up there, but every time you leave this church this year, as you walk out the doors going out to the parking lot, I hope as you look up and see well done, good and faithful servant, it will be a reminder to you, this is what I'm living for. This is what I long to hear someday. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you know what? The reality is what we're doing in here, this is the locker room. The game isn't played in here. This is the locker room where we come to worship the Lord, to be encouraged, to gather with each other. But the game is played outside of these walls. And so when you leave this place, I want each of us to be reminded. Faithfulness is what I'm after. It's what I'm living to hear. Faithfulness. This is the year of faithfulness. And we're gonna come back to that time and time again this year. Amen? Amen. Now, just briefly here, I want to shift gears for a moment because you know, I thought that would've been a great place to end the message. We'd go out of here, rah, rah. But I wanna shift gears here for a moment because tomorrow kicks off our 21-day fast. And when I heard Kirk mention that, I looked around, a lot of people were like, ooh, 21-day fast. Uh, tomorrow kicks off our 21-day time of fasting and prayer. And this year, I've kind of given it, I've given it the theme of refocus. You know, part of being faithful is taking time to refocus on what matters most. And so I'm gonna cover just, I'm gonna cover a lot of details here pretty quick, but I wanna let you know up front, everything that I touch on over the next few moments can be found at northwoods.church slash refocus, okay? Northwoods.church slash refocus. So this year during the fast, we're gonna walk through Psalm 23 and we're gonna do it for 21 days. You say, how are we gonna do it for 21 days? Trust me, there's a lot of gold in Psalm 23 and uh, we're gonna walk through it. And so we've developed this year a 21-day reading plan called Refocus, which will work in conjunction with the Bible app. So they're gonna bring up a video here and I'll kind of show you how this works. So if you wanna be a part of this, you go to northwoods.church slash refocus, and on that page, it's gonna bring up, if you'll scroll down there, if you click on devotionals, it's gonna take you to the Bible app. We're working with the Bible app this year on Version. Most of you have that on your phone. It'll take you to our reading Welcome plan. Welcome back to day two of the, fast. the plan. I'm so excited and then you, you make it. You can make it visible to friends or private. And then every day, there'll be a devotional. The video will be at the top. There'll be a video for the day and then there'll be the Bible reading, and then there'll be kind of a section that I've titled AMP. How do I amp up my time? Application, memorization, and then prayer. So every Monday through Saturday, there will be a devotional video 
that's, that goes along with the reading. And then on Sunday, when we show up here, I'll pick up where we left off in, uh, in our time during the week, and I'll preach a message on whatever portion of Psalm 23 that we're in. Also, and I'm excited about this, uh, in conjunction with the fast, uh, my brother Nathan has put together several teams and times that the prayer room and the prayer tower is gonna be open. So it's gonna be open multiple times a week. I think we have a slide for that that will come up with those times. So you see there, uh, Tuesday through Friday, the prayer tower, the prayer room at the top of the prayer tower is gonna be open. And where it says worship and prayer, that means that there will be live worship going on and it's really kind of self-guided prayer. So you can come pray through your prayer list, you can journal, uh, you know, you can just come and worship, whatever you wanna do. We just wanted to make that available. Uh, normally it's available right now on Fridays during the lunch hour, but we wanted to make it uh, just more times available to you during the next 21 days. And so uh, that, that'll be happening and we just want that to be available to you. It's a great, uh, great thing. If you've never been to the prayer room before, I would encourage you to, to pick a time and come check it out. Now, just briefly, what is fasting? Again, you can find this information at northwest.church slash refocus. Biblical fasting, and this might be reviewed for some of you, but if you're new to this, biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, some may choose to abstain from other things besides food, and that's fine. Again, we're not looking at what everyone else is doing. It's what, what, what's, this is between you and the Lord. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for, for a spiritual purpose. So this isn't dieting and detoxing. That may happen as a side benefit, but it's about taking the time you would normally spend eating and spending that time with the Lord. So I would encourage you, whatever you decide to do for this fast, whatever you step away from, make it, you step away from this so you can go to something and that's spending time with the Lord. Maybe, you know, you watch a lot of TV during the day. Maybe it's saying, hey, I'm gonna step away from the time I would normally watch TV and I'm gonna spend that time with the Lord. Okay, so you can find more resources about the types of fasts on our website, but whatever you choose, make it meaningful between you and the Lord. And as we enter the fast between today and tomorrow, I wanna encourage you to ask the Lord this question, Lord, how can I faithfully serve you with these 21 days? How can I serve you faithfully with these 21 days? You know, in, in Luke chapter two, there's a, a prophet named Anna, and it says, I love how it says in the New King James Version, it says that she, le she didn't leave the temple, never left the temple, and she served the Lord with fastings and prayers. And I love that it says she served the Lord with a fast and with prayer. And so I want us to ask the same question, Lord, how can I faithfully serve you with these 21 days? Yes, the fast is about drawing closer to the Lord. It's about seeking him for breakthrough in areas that you might need in your life. But I also want us to be thinking about how can I use this to serve you? How can I serve you, Lord? And let's watch what he does. Now, as we close and as we enter into the fast, we're gonna take just a moment to come around the communion table together. So if you have your elements, you can grab those now. And again, as we come around the communion table, it's a reminder, because the Bible says that as whenever you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you declare the Lord's death until he comes again. He is coming again. 
And so as we come around the communion table, we're reminded that I want to be found faithful when he returns. And so as we go into this time of communion here, again, I think it's always helpful. We don't do this every time, but many times. The Bible says that we should examine ourselves before we partake. And so just for a moment here, as we're talking on this theme of being faithful, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any place where I have been unfaithful? Is there any place where I have been unfaithful with what you've entrusted to me? Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's with finances. Maybe it's being unfaithful to his word. Whatever it is, ask him, Lord, is there any place where I have been unfaithful? And if he reveals anything, you just repent of it and say, Lord. I think we should thank him because the Bible says even when we're unfaithful, the Lord remains faithful. And so, Lord, if there's any area of our life where we've been unfaithful, first of all, we thank you that you are always faithful to us. And so, Lord, we repent of any known sin in our lives. We bring our lives in alignment with you and your word. Lead us and guide us. Bible says on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. The Bible says after supper, he took the cup. But this is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And as we drink, let's just, again, thank the Lord for what he did on the cross. Lord, we receive everything that you purchased for us on the cross. Thank you for your blood. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Now, church, as we close, I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And uh, listen, we we got to go out of here on a, on a high note today. You know, sometimes I just, you know, I feel like, hey, let's let's stop and pray. Um, but I want to go out of here on with a declaration today. And so I know you've been sitting for just a little bit. Come on, get, get ready. To, we're we're going to declare something together because this is the year of faithfulness and we're going to be faithful. And so I want you to say it with energy. I want you to repeat after me. This year is the year of faithfulness. I serve a faithful God and faithful is who I am. What God has entrusted to me, I will be faithful with. I'm not after the praise of people, 
I live for the glory of God. Well done, good and faithful. I live to hear you say, this year is the year of faithfulness. Amen. Come on, somebody give God praise. That's who we are. We're faithful. You're faithful. This is the year of faithfulness. Church, I love you. Hope you have a great week. If you need prayer for anything, prayer team will be down front and we would love to pray with you. Same thing online. Have a great Sunday and we'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday. Go Packers.